Next Chapter Podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. The 500 The 500 J.A.M. been walking us down through that 2012 edition So it ain't nothing to new Hundreds more to go and in need of a friend The king of peace for Angelo Talking the 500 until the end Talking the 500 until the end with my man J.M. On the 500, talking the 500 until the end. She would never say where she came from. There's such a weird note to do, Nick Jagger. Yes. What's up, Fleece Army? Do you agree with me? Such a weird way to start such an incredible song. Um, let's go. The song is Ruby Tuesday. It's by the Rolling Stones from their 1967 record Between the Buttons. It's also number 357 out of 500 on the 500 with me, Josh Adam Myers. What's up, y'all? It's an early one. I'm recording this one a little bit early because I'll be in the process of moving into my new apartment in Gramercy. Oh, God, I've been in the process of moving for about two months. Um, when this, when I can tell you all about the LA apartment move and like what's going on there between me and my landlord, <laughs> you guys, it's gonna come out. It is gonna come out. It's gonna be all over TMZ. It's gonna be all over the LA Times. Um, Cause I'm gonna turn into the Aaron Brockovich of rental units uh, but yeah I'm excited man I'm in New York I'm doing the cellar every night I'm doing the stand my home clubs I'm loving life we got a jam announcement coming up for Los Angeles we got a jam announcement coming up for New York City uh, I do have some bad news I will not be in DC this weekend there is some problems uh, at the club and uh, so we're gonna move it or we're gonna find a new venue because I want to come to DC. I'm so sorry, guys. This, you know, it's not my fault. I want to come to Washington, DC. I want to go uh, to Old Ebbets Grill. I want to get some oysters. I want to walk around the National Mall with Lek a Dog. I want to, like, be around friends and family that I love. I have so much indigestion right now. 
I want to be around friends and family that I love. I want to hang out with all y'all in the district, but unfortunately this weekend I won't make it. But you can see me in Austin, Texas, September 22nd through I think the 25th at the Moon Tower Comedy Festival. Then we'll be at JFL Cancun um, in November. I think the 3rd through the 5th, and then on the 6th or the 7th, one of those dates, we'll be closing out Skankfest, uh, and I've got a lot more cool stuff coming up. So go to joshadammyers.com and uh, and buy tickets, because I want to see you guys on the road, man. I'm not, you know, there's a frustration in my career sometimes, and that's why I'm out here in New York. You know, I want to I wanna be as good as I can be uh, to entertain all y'all. And man, I'm learning so much. After fucking 13 years of stand-up, I'm learning... So much about uh, about this this process, and I want to be out on the road, and I will. I'll be out more solo gigs, you know. But just everybody's fighting for certain spots right now, and uh, those bigger names are going to get it. Because I don't know if you guys heard, there was a pandemic, everything shut down, and we all got about six hundred dollars a week extra from our unemployment, and then eventually went down to three, and now they're evicting everybody. So I hope you're, you're, you're doing okay. I know it's a tough time and I know everything's about to end. But um, And then I hate to ask this too, but you, we have a Patreon and we got a lot of great people that are working on the show. And we want you to help support the show. If you like the show, you love the show, if you hate the show, just give us some money because we want to keep the lights on and we want to finish this podcast. We really do. Um, so help. Patreon.com backslash the 500 podcast. It's $5 a month. I know it's a lot, but just help us out. And if you do... Uh, send me a message that you join Patreon and I will give you a shout out. I'll do a fucking video for you. Whatever we can do to make you give us money, we will do it. And subscribe to our YouTube. That is something you can do that's completely free. Just go to YouTube, youtube.com backslash Josh Adam Myers and, um, and subscribe. Watch the videos. Smash the subscribe button. Alrighty, combo nighty. Let's talk about the Rolling Stone. Forget that ass. Arguably one of the greatest bands of all time. I know all of the hits. I had their greatest hits record and I loved it. I like slow stones, but I also like bluesy stones. So this record kind of fell into a place where it's like, yeah, I know a couple of the songs. And everything on it's pretty good. You know what I mean? There's some stuff I really, really like on this. I think this is a definitely a vibe record. But uh, as I'm going to talk with my guest... I think there's a reason that this album is on on the list. I really do. I, I know it's important, but I think it's more important not so much to music, but to see where the Rolling Stones are going to go. We're going to talk all about it, and we have a returning guest. Ugh, the one and only Tom Everett Scott. Ooh, did I reunite the wonders at the goddamn Comedy Jam? Yeah, I did. Tom, an incredible, incredible actor. He was in American Werewolf in Paris, Dead Man on Campus. You've seen him on... Uh, countless shows um, but I mean it's that thing you do man it is that thing you do you made a movie that will be remembered and stand the test of time it's one of those movies that you watch when you are in a bad mood and you just want to feel good about the universe Um, so go watch it when this is over put on that thing you do and I know he's going to mention it Ah, should I tell it now I'll tell it at the end I'll tell it at the end because it's really fucking cool if you live in Erie Pennsylvania uh, but this was a fun one. I'm glad Tom got to come back. The new format is a little different than what we were used to. You know, like I said, Morty is working on a record right now. And um, we talked about him coming back when he has time. Uh, I can't thank Morty enough for everything that he did for the show. 
He really made this fun. I really loved having him on the podcast. He just got really busy. You know, he, he wants to spend more time with B, and and I get that, man. And I love him. So I want everybody to follow at B and Daddy Cartoons and send him a message at DJ Morty Coyle and tell him you're thinking about him, telling you love him, and uh, and don't worry, everybody. The show will go on. It's going to go on. Why? Because, dude, I got to finish this fucking thing. I I just, I got to do it. I have to do it for you, Ange. I love you, cream pie. That's what we used to call each other. Scoodle Dan, man. All right, guys. So rate, review, and most importantly, uh, do me a favor and subscribe to the 500. If you're listening on Apple, leave us a five-star rating and a review. Follow me. Ooh. At Josh Adam Myers on all social media and email the podcast at 500podcast at gmail.com for all things 500 related. You can tell us to go fuck ourselves. We do not care what hit the mic. It's the second week in a row. And follow the Facebook group, the 500 Podcast with Jam, run by Crazy Evan, the fucking meth addict Canadian. And for all things 500, go to our website, the500podcast.com. Well, there's nothing left to say, but here we go with 357 between the buttons of the Rolling Stones. Yeah, man. I was so excited when when um, they said you came back and you could do this. Oh, man. I'm, I was excited to get the invite. I mean, well, you were our 19th choice. I'm just letting you know. We went with we went, to Mick, we went with Mick Still Jagger. Excited. We went with Keith Richards. We went we went, hit up Brian Jones. We Heard hit up him. the, the dead him. guy. We Heard went with uh, Tom Hanks, and then oh. and then Chet Hanks. <laughs> we I could have got you. I could have got you, Chet Hanks. I, anybody, I, 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 dude, I could have Chet Hanks here in 15 minutes, bro. Like, <laughs> I can have Chet Hanks. Um, let's let's dive in so we don't waste time because actually I'm I'm moving kind of today. I don't know if you know I'm in New York. I moved to New York. I love that. I love it too. I got a place in Gramercy. Beautiful. Oh, Gramercy. Twenty second and first. Right now I'm in the Upper East Side and my friend's two bedroom and she's going to be coming back um, okay. today to kind of move out some stuff. Um, it's dude. This is like moving is moving is hell, especially in New York City. Oh my God. I mean, well, first of all, move from LA to New York and then sell mm-hmm. everything. But what's great is that I have friends, other people that are moving. Like she's, I'm going to buy these two TVs. I'm taking this thing over here, <laughs> taking drop. And all I got to do is like drop off her modems. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. My daughter's there right now. My daughter's in the Lower East side. She's a barista at a blue bottle. She's uh, doing her internship at a record label and she's about to start her senior year of college. Oh, uh, where's she, where's she going? Columbia? <laughs> No, the, the new school. She started as an art student at Parsons and then she switched her major to um, music. And so Parsons is part of the new school. So she just stayed there. You know, what's funny is that I went to the old school. <laughs> <laughs> that's such a bad joke. That's so bad, dude. Um, Let me get my son in here to hear that yeah. one. That's a good dad joke. He's a good, he'd, be like, he'd be like, no cap, no cap. <laughs> Stay, stay front or whatever they say now. Um, so I think the last time I saw you, Tom, what, no, the last time I saw you was when we were, when I came over to shoot that reel in your uh, garage. Yes. Thank you. Uh, book some stuff from that. Great. The other time, and this is why you're the perfect follow-up guest, is that this is all to the fleece army out there. Like me, Tom, and our buddy, Jason Gallagher, mm-hmm. uh, took a 500 field trip and we went to go see... Yep. Who do we Steve go Earl. see? Steve, Steve Earl. Earl at the yep. Troub. 
Uh, It was incredible. This is what I love about doing the podcast, because I think there was like you and I, you were like, you knew his music. You were a Mm -hmm. I would say you were like you were like a fan, but not like, oh, I'm a diehard. But right, right. We both fell in love with Steve Earle. For, for sure. Immediately. I love Dude, that, that album. So good. And then I listened to all the rest of his stuff and it was such a great show. And um, I've only yep. done a couple of field trips. So for you to be a part of it, Tom. I'm very is, happy. Very happy about that. It was a good show. It was, it was packed in there. Couldn't do that during COVID. Great show. Yeah, man. Well, you could do it now, but then the Delta Force variant would, would Chuck <laughs> Norris punch you in the face. <laughs> Because uh, we are every time they say the Delta variant, I'm like yeah. the blues style or the Chuck Norris movie with those stretchy jeans that can kick real high. <laughs> yeah, dude. Um, all right, Rolling Stones. Let's yeah. talk about the Rolling Stones. Um, so, arguably one of the biggest bands of all time, mm-hmm. right? Have you seen them? I have not, but I, you know, what's funny that you bring that up, dude, is that I have so many people that said to me, you need to go see him. You need to go see him. And so then the last tour, uh, before COVID, I was like, okay, I'm going to go. And then I checked the price of the tickets and it was $550. And I was like, yeah, fuck this band, dude. I'm, uh, I'm I'm good, man. I don't want to see some octogenarians bounce around on stage. And everybody was like, it was their best tour. They're not old. They're, they're fucking rock stars. And so now I see now that they're going back on tour because of COVID is kind of, you know, we're, we, we don't know where we're at with it, but like some artists are like, listen, if it's legal in that city, we're going to do it. And they're going back out on tour. I, if it works, yes, I'm going hundred percent. Have you? I saw them in 1989, 1990 on the steel wheels tour. I saw them at Syracuse when I was a student there. And that was, I was like, wow, they're kind of old to be doing this. <laughs> At 80 in 1989, yeah, dude, that was like youthful years for them right now, for sure. For sure, holy shit, mm-hmm. how was it? It was great, it was a great show. They were, they were fantastic, they really were. I, I they, have to say, they play like three hours, right? They played for a long time, and the opening act was Living Color, cult oh. personality, big band at the time. Look in my eyes, what do you see? <laughs> that dude, yeah. it's weird, interesting fact, the lead singer, Corey Glover, I think that's his name, uh, yep. was in the movie Platoon. Yes, he was. Ask not what your what country, country can, do. can do for you. God bless right. Living Color. I wish we could do an album of theirs on the podcast, people, but they're just not on the list. I don't make the list. But where Rolling Stones is, and this is our first one, so why don't you tell me uh, your whole history? Take me all the way back to the first time you, and I, which is which is funny to ask one of the biggest bands. It's like asking when did you hear the Beatles? Mm. When did you first experience the Rolling Stones, and and how did it affect you, and and so on and so forth? You have the floor. Well, and just I think- as, as, wait, I want to say it like it's an audition, Tom. I want to say it like it's, just have fun with it. Oh. <laughs> Thanks. And at that moment in an audition, you're just like, I'm way too nervous to have any fun. (laughs) Not going to happen. You're on the inside, just like identify where the fear is. Fear, use the energy and focus it. And now it's mine. (laughs) Oh, God, I can. What is that song? God, I hope I get it. That's what I'm always thinking. I hope I get it. God, I hope I. I don't know. I don't know the chorus line. Anything from Rocky Hour Picture Show, I would have been. I would every lyric, every right. lyric. That'll be the next one we do. Uh, I think that uh, uh, "Start Me Up" was a huge, popular song when I was a kid. Start it up. Start me up. And I think that was like who I thought the Rolling Stones were. Yeah. 
you know, did, did not know as a, as a kid born in 1970, uh, you know, listening to the radio, cause that was it. That's all mm-hmm. you had, but nobody in my house had any other form of music. Um, not until later did my older sister start playing records. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think that's who I thought the Rolling Stones were. And I know that like, I don't know about you guys, but I was informed by how my parents perceived people and my parents were pretty conservative. So I think my mother probably made some like, Ugh, oh, gross, you know, Mick Jagger. Gross. The Stones? Yeah. Wait, what are they listening to then? My dad had albums of marching bands and like military drum corps <laughs> stuff. He had, he had a soundtrack. He had the soundtrack to Medway, the movie, the World War II movie. He's like, he's like, Tom, turn that rock and roll devil shit off. Put on that Francis Scott Key record, because that's what I want to hear. Something patriotic, like we're going to Korea. We had to go to my grandparents' house to listen to the Help album, which was the only album my mom's sister left behind, because my mom's sister, my Aunt Callie, uh, she had all the albums, the Beatles yeah. albums. She was cool. I didn't live in the cool house. I lived in the yeah. You lived in the John Philip Sousa house, right? My my mom kept us alive. I don't know what Aunt Callie was doing, but she was playing <laughs> the Beatles. And uh, yeah, so so the Rolling Stones. I didn't really know. I didn't really get into them until I have to say, um, my musical experience didn't really start until I started acting and started kind of meeting other people who who had better music. Well, because you're in, you're in the middle of nowhere, Massachusetts. Yeah. Uh, from, from what I remember. And I mean, you know, also we're, you know, we're roughly around the same age. I think you're a little bit older than me, but it's like music wasn't so easy to find, you know, ex- especially even just your radio station. You might have like one cool radio station that's coming from Boston. Maybe. That's probably like a little crinkly. You know what I mean? Yeah, so I mean, there was FM, there was pop music. There was Casey Kasem on, on the weekends, you know, yeah. the top 40, there was all that. Um, there was, the cool kids listen to Pink Floyd, but the cool kids also smoke pot. And I wasn't allowed to do that. So I was oh. like, uh, I'm gonna, I don't know if I'm ever going to like that music. You're not a and, true thespian, dude. That's it, like, come on, man. You go to one of those thespian parties well, and somebody steals. For the first time was at Renaissance Fair. Oh, oh summer, my, I summer forgot. Theater. Yeah, 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 dude. Oh, it's all coming back to me right now. <laughs> I forgot you worked at the Renaissance Fair. And some Holy. kids got me high, and then I was like, oh, yeah, Pink Floyd. Yeah, this totally makes sense. <laughs> this rocks. Mm, this giant turkey leg is delicious. I've never enjoyed <laughs> such meat on a stick before. That is hilarious, dude. All at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so you're, so you're you, you start okay, – well, what are we talking about? You, so you smoke a pot, and then and then how did the Rolling Stones so, – so you said – Take me there. I forgot because I was laughing about the turkey leg. That's okay. No, <laughs> turkey leg was good. Uh, I think um, I think Steve Zahn and I became friends pretty early on in my acting career, and um, we we started listening to a lot of like '60s rock, and and he was the one who was like, "Dude, Rolling Stones are like everything by the Rolling Stones is good." And I was like, "Oh, and that, I think that was when I had my first real Rolling Stones phase. It was probably like 1995." How old are you at that point? 25. You're 25. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. 
Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Did you know Steve before that thing you do? We met on that. We met uh, our teachers that were teaching us music for the movie knew each other. So they put us together and we rehearsed together in New York. And so, and so he's, he seems like the kind of guy that's into like, cause we talked about this. He well, knew he Steve in, Earl. He, knew, he knows Steve Earl. He went, just saw him live and really? went out with him backstage. Yeah. Steve's oh cool. Steve Zahn and Steve Earl are both cool. Why Steve Zahn got to one up us right now? Like we went to the mm-hmm. show and like we had such a good time and you're like, you know, but Steve Zahn went to his Passover Seder. I mean, it's, <laughs> that's his buddy, dude. They're like hanging out. Exactly. Uh, so, so, all right. So, so you hear Rolling Stones, you get to, you know, and now it's more than just satisfaction. It's more than just the, the, the big, big songs that you might hear from like a, you know, like, like the Martin Scorsese movie. Do you know what exactly. I mean? You, there's always that stuff that's always played and you're like, Oh, who is that? Oh, that's Stones. Um, so, so how did it make you feel like what, you know, you, you've grown up in this household that's restricting your music and then suddenly now you're 25, which blows my mind that at 25 is when you finally started getting into this band. Yeah. Um, but like, how does it, how does that make you feel? Like what, what are you experiencing when you're listening to this and, and you're, you know, you're smoking pot possibly. Yeah, probably. Um, definitely. Uh, Sticky, uh, sticky fingers and, um, you know, like, uh, aftermath, some girls, I mean, these are the albums that I was gravitating to. Um, you know, there, it just, it was music that I was like, Oh wow. Like front to back, the entire album's good. Uh, I was really, I didn't realize that Mick and Keith had, had written all this music. I, you know, I was more of like the, Oh, you know, McCartney and, and Lennon are the, are the real rock geniuses from that era. And you're like, Oh no, like, Jagger and Richards did just as much incredible writing. It's really oh, about sure. it's really about taste, and so um, and you can like both. I, I I certainly think. I mean, they were marketed in the early part of their career to be the anti Beatles. Yeah, there were there was a, there was definitely like a rivalry. It was almost what I experienced, what or at least what I think everybody experienced back then, was what I experienced between Nirvana and Pearl Jam, because I remember going like to the, when I started, when I started smoking pot, which, which men then led me into smoking cigarettes and hanging out at the smoking section at Seneca Valley high school with my buddies, Tassos, Ben, uh, Dave, I, he's the only one I don't keep in touch with Dave. If you're out there, I love you, buddy. I don't know what mm-hmm. you're doing anymore, but you were the man, best bass player I've ever played with. Um, but I remember I liked Pearl jam. And when I got into that circle of friends, they were like, no, no, no. Right. It's like you, you only you can only like Nirvana. Pearl Jam is lame. Nirvana is the true grunge superstar heroes. And and I and I you know I, listen. I, I'm one of those people with with uh, I, of course Pearl Jam has survived the test of time and has done so much for music and for so many other artists and inspired them. And Nirvana a hundred percent the same thing. Maybe uh, maybe more than I think Pearl Jam. But I think it's just one of those things is as you get older, as a teenager, you can be like, oh, there's a rivalry because we're so like set in our ways when we're younger. We're like, no, it's like, it's only like this and everything else is lame. But as we get older, and I'm the same way, dude, with the Beatles. I mean, I was like, the Beatles rule, the Rolling Stones are lame. Um, 
and and it's it's as the years have gone on it's like you you realize they're totally different bands on every level both inspired by blues to a point but just totally different bands Adam just put up one right now. Who'd you say? Metallica versus Megadeth? Yeah, you have to pick one or the other. If you're going back in like to the 80s, early 90s, it was one or the other. I was on the Metallica one and you talked to somebody who was a Megadeth fan and it was like blasphemous. So. Who is a, who's a Megadeth fan, Adam? My friend Danny Sternfeld. He oh, thought, you're doing full names? You're I'm doing full cool. names on this? Okay, well, Danny, I hope you don't say anything bad about him. But at the time, Megadeth <laughs> was better with cryptic writings than Metallica with loads. So there was an argument to be had at that point. All right, Tom, you pick him on right now. End the debate. Metallica or Megadeth? Well, you know, I go backstage with Megadeth all the time. <laughs> yeah, so uh, with Steve Zahn. So yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't have a choice. I don't, no, I don't. no one does. Metallica wins every time. The only thing that Megadeth might have Metallica beat on, Adam, is the T-shirts. Yeah. T-shirt designs, because Metallica fell into that whole pusshead thing. Mm-hmm. Remember, it was all Pusshead. This is Tom is like, who, who the fuck is Pusshead? I don't know. Pusshead's my, my rabbi at Kielat Shalom in Germantown, okay. Maryland. He became a T-shirt designer. Um, no, it, it's there, there's no comparison between those bands. You could name 40 Metallica songs, and the only Megadeth song you can name is P. Selzma, Who's Buying, and that's only because Steve Pastore used to listen to him. Okay, fair enough. He's Fair a big enough. DJ right now, everybody. Check out Steve Pastore. He's a guy I went to high school with. I hope he's listening to us. I hope he's doing good. I hope everybody's doing good. It's COVID. Delta, <laughs> Delta variant. <laughs> the Delta variant tonight on CBS Prime. All right, what are we talking about? All right, Beatles, Stones. Um, also, like, uh, a great, you know, introduction to them was... Um, doing research about 60s rock and about the British invasion and about British guys who were trying to get a hold of American rhythm and blues albums. They were trying to get that sound. They were trying to like get as many of those albums as possible. And then they were learning them like Lennon and Harrison and McCartney and Jagger and Richards. They were doing that's how Mick Jagger and Keith Richards say they met. They, they knew each other by, by sight. Like other teens could see other teens that were in the same thing with the same look, but it was on a train platform where he saw him with a handful of records and he's and and uh, mick had them and keith went up to him and said where'd you get the records and they just that's how they became friends really and so, yeah and so then they started playing together and it really wasn't until they started working with um that that producer oldham who was like a big like uh flamboyant character back in the 60s he oldham is credited with convincing them to write their own music Yeah. Look who did some research, bro. (laughs) Who is top of the class right now? All right, dude. I like to be prepared. Um, Good. Thank you, because I wasn't. So (laughs) that's why I've had them. (laughs) (laughs) So they started playing, like covering. Everybody started covering the blues, and then everyone started. These guys, the greats, started writing their own stuff. And I think um, one of the cool things about uh, the Stones is because of Brian Jones. Uh, they just started experimenting with all different instruments and sounds. And uh, so that's what kind of started separating those bands just from just like ripping off, you know, well, African-American well, blues. For sure. Because in, in a sense, there it's all just pulling from, you know, what these blues musicians did. And, mm. you know, what's funny is, because let's focus it on now between the buttons, um, is there's not a lot of that blues 
in this record straight no. up. There's a couple songs where you're like, oh, this is the Rolling Stones that I like. This is the direction that they're going to be going. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's also some stuff that is kind of, you know, it's like psychedelic. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I found it, it says, psych, it's the, the Stones uh, go into their brief foray into a psychedelia and Baroque pop balladry during this era. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, I, what was the album? Because um, we're doing the, we're, which, which version are we doing again, Adam? Are we doing the UK or the American release? United States release. We're doing the United States release. So let me look at the, um, what came before this. So Back before this, what was their big record, Adam, right before this? Like, because I know it's not God Live if you I want it. it's Aftermath. Okay, Aftermath. And then following that is their satanic majesty's request, which mm -hmm. was really cool about, you know, before I, we give our thoughts on this record, what was really cool about, uh, about doing this, because um, much like you it, when you were 25, I, like I said, I was Beatles all the way. I have the Beatles apple tattooed to my arm. I'm a, I'm a huge Beatles fan. Paul McCartney, John Lennon are the, the greatest songwriting duo and the George Harrison and Ringo just it's, it was almost like, you know, the universe like brought them together and was like, here, bless everybody and change music. And I never looked at the Rolling Stones like they were like that. I always just looked at them like, hey, they're just a cool band. You know, Mick Jagger is is very sexy. Like you can look at him and be like, oh my God, like his mouth, like the way he dances, like you can, he's like, it's like looking at George Clooney and being like, he's one of the most handsome dudes you've ever seen in your life. Mick Jagger has a look. Keith Richards is this you know, God, it's like, I'm telling people, and I say this to people that are overweight all the time, Tom, uh, if you want to stay skinny, do heroin. <laughs> I'm telling you, fentanyl, fentanyl's popular now. Try fentanyl. Hold on a second. Honey. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got a roll, honey, in about two months. I need to lose some weight. Can you get me some perk 30s? Order some pizza because we can eat that now, but also order, order me some heroin. Heroin, okay. preferably, you know, from the C Sinaloa cartel. Can you get me Sinaloa? I, I saw uh, the movie, uh, the one with, I can't think of the title, uh, Sicario. Fuck. God, I wish my brain was faster sometimes. That's why I can't do improv. Um, wait, what was I talking about? Um, so, yes. So, I always looked at them as like a band that is, you know, look-wise, very sexy. Uh, yeah. We the next week's episode. It's really funny. Um, Adam, do you remember? Because this we already recorded the next week's episode prior to this one. What did Tim Heidecker say about the look of the Rolling Stones? Now, can you pull that picture up? Because <laughs> I because there's like this is them now. Is that you have like these real rock stars? You have Mick Jagger just just dressed like yeah, yeah. raped in rock and roll gold oh, and fucking yeah. Keith Richards is full on the grandfather of the Mumford and sons. Just, I'm talking leather straps and like uh -huh. this. Uh -huh. And uh, who's the other dude in the band that I'm forgetting? Adam, help me. Mick Jones, Brian Jones, Mick, Mick Jones, Mick Jones. This is an, this is a newer picture. Mick Jones is like, here it is, dude. Mick, yeah, pull it up, pull it up. Mick Jones, oh. Mick Jones is just, I mean, sexy and rock and roll. And then their drummer is dressed like he works at H&R Block. Look at that, dude. Get, oh, get closer. <laughs> oh, no, that's Ronnie. Sorry, that's Ronnie. Um, yeah. Ronnie Lott for the, no, yeah, for the San Francisco <laughs> oh, yeah, 49ers. Right. D-back hit like a linebacker. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he played. He, he played good, strong safety. But yeah, they're uh, just they're either they're they're that they're those rock and roll guys. Ron, Ron Woods, Ron Woods, Ron Woods, yes, the guy who so, came over from Faces. Yes, they they are a rock and roll band to the extreme. Um, 
but then you look at uh, Charlie Watts and he's in a like a windbreaker and uh, yeah, sensible shoes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, New Balance for sure. You know, maybe has orthotics. Uh-huh. You know, uh-huh. like he's, oh, definitely. He's, he's he's in bed by 7 p.m. Oh, 100 percent, dude. He's watching investigative discoveries with his wife. <laughs> They're watching murder mysteries like that is his life. And you know what? I love that. I don't understand them. why those shows don't get the awards. Yeah. The investigative discoveries. I I talk about I talk about this show on stage. Um, you ever heard of a show called Fear Thy Neighbor? No. So there's a show that I've there's oh, dude. I'm blessing you. If you have time in between uh, acting gigs, dude, it's it's literally Adam. acting gigs. Uh, well, perfect. You dude, you have 70 hours to watch of the show. It's basically Hatfield and McCoys all around the United States, true stories. And it does interviews with the real people and then reenactments. And it's all situations about like two neighbors, uh, like a neighbor living in a, in a cul-de-sac and then another neighbor moves in and then they're friends. And then there's a dispute over the dog pooping on their lawn, or maybe the mailbox is on somebody else's property, whatever the fuck it is. And uh, they start arguing. Uh, It gets bad. Somebody ends up dead. It's, it's, it's my favorite show. Now here's why it's funny because the show takes place in the places in America where those kind of disputes would happen. So where do you think? Uh, Florida. No, no, come on, dude. Florida, Alabama, Mississippi. But here's what's great. They interview those real people from Alabama and Mississippi, but all the reenactments are shot in Canada. (laughs) <laughs> so, so Tom, they'll, they'll literally interview this woman and she's like, so that's right. when I told Cletus to get our dog off the lawn because we're going to get the shotgun and shoot him. And then they cut to the reenactment and it's like, I told you to pick up the dog poop, eh? Can you clean up the dog poop? Can you? And it's like Alabama and there's snow on the, on the ground. It's like, what part of Alabama is in a, is in a frozen tundra? I'm sorry, but you're disturbing the <laughs> residents of my house. You, the, the house, the, we moved in here, eh? We've been living here longer than you, okay? <laughs> Do you want to listen to the Rolling Stones? Let's squash the beef. No, you like the Beatles. I like the Stones. Get <laughs> out of here. <laughs> oh, you got me there. Okay, because Sergeant Pepper is a brilliant... Okay, that's my, I'm starting to turn into... My, my Canadian accent is not very good. It's not <laughs> terrible. It sounds a little Irish, but yeah. that's okay. All, yeah, all accents do. Okay. All right. Let's, let's focus this. Let's, let's talk about this record. Cause there's a fan right now that's pissed off at us. He's like, they haven't even mentioned the record yet. You didn't even get to yesterday's papers yet. Oh my God. All right. Don't get me started on yesterday's papers. Cause it's that, that song is butt cheeks. Can I say that? Is that okay? People I just think it's world? ironic that the lyric is nobody cares about yesterday's papers. And I'm like, that's true. Nobody cares about this song called yesterday's papers. I, I actually, uh, I, you know, I do uh, read certain articles from yesterday's papers, sports articles. Sure. Um, there's a, there was a thing that the Washington Post did uh, with this guy, Joshua Bell. It's one of my, I'll send it to you, Tom. It's one of the most brilliant articles I've ever read. It's about 15 years old, maybe even 17, where they wanted to see if, if uh, people in a busy situation could recognize brilliant art. And so they took the greatest violinist mm-hmm. currently living and working in the world, Joshua Bell. Mm-hmm. And what they did is they set him up dressed like a street performer uh, at the busiest Metro stop in Washington, DC, LaFont Plaza. And they put it, they put like a, 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 like a, like a hat out for people to tip him. And he's playing a priceless Stradivarius or Stradivarian, um, whatever that's called, Stradivarius uh, violin, playing the most difficult violin songs 
ever written. And it's just to see if people recognize it. And so many people don't like, they're just walking by, but a few people stop. It's a great article about how art is viewed. Um, yeah, this is it. Yeah. It's one of my favorites. So, so, so that song is a crack of shit because I'm about to send it out to the world and everybody's going to be like yesterday's papers rule, but the song, I mean, I don't think anyone is going to argue. So this album starts with let's spend the night together. Yes. And for me, right away, I think of the performance on the Ed Sullivan show, where yes. they Ed Sullivan said, "You're not singing those lyrics, or you're gone. You're out of here." And and they rolled their eyes as they sang, "Let's spend some time together." Famously, famously, Mick Jagger looks in the camera and you know, like, "Let's spend some time." And you all know the lyric is "night." This is <laughs> a sexually, exp- you know, I mean, this is like a provocative song, and uh, I love that song. Let's spend um, the night together. Is I mean, if you buy the Rolling Stones' greatest hits, uh, <laughs> that's on there. Let's spend the night together. Now I need you more than ever. Let's spend the night together. They were banned from the Ed Sullivan Show temporarily. Temporarily, but we're allowed back. back one more time in November of 1969. It's only a two year ban, uh, but this song yeah. was not allowed to be performed for the same reason in the Stones' first ever show in China. That is so funny. Let's yeah. spend the night together is offensive back, back then, then. That was pretty pretty provocative. Also, the rest of the lyrics are also not, well, not crazy provocative at all, but maybe for the time. Uh, you know, but this is what's so funny about how time changes because yeah. there's that's getting them banned, and then Lil John can go on MTV Music Awards and be like, "Who the sweat drop from my balls? All oh, these bitches crawl. Oh, skeet skeet." I mean, that's like I used to play that at bar mitzvahs, and like the rabbi would get out on the dance floor. I mean, yeah, we are such a weird society of people. Um, we are, we are. <laughs> like in a couple of years, we're like, no, actually, yeah, that's fine. Um, but then Ruby Tuesday comes in third. Now, I don't know about you guys. I'm a huge Wes Anderson fan. Yes. Um, and, and I hear Ruby Tuesday and she smiles sweetly. And I just think of the Royal Tenenbaums. I just think of that movie to me. Uh, and they connect those two songs in that movie. And, and it's, it's weird. Like when a Paltrow plays the record, she's in Luke Wilson's tent. Yeah. And, she smiles sweetly comes on first and then the record goes right to Ruby Tuesday, but it's, there's no way that's possible because I don't think there's any album where those two follow each other. What a nice pluck. What a nice nugget of IMDB goofs. And I never would have known that if I hadn't done this show. Are you kidding? No. You know, you know what? It's funny that you bring this up because I have a, I have a bunch of stuff to say (laughs) about Ruby Tuesday. Um, First, I, I want to say this. Uh, the restaurant the, or? Well, I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there because I used to, I, fuck it, I'll just start with that. I <laughs> used to work at a Ruby Tuesday in Gaithersburg, Maryland. Um, it was my friend. So I went to Europe for seven months with my buddy Joel. And that was where we backpacked through Europe. I was like 18 years old. No and we, we wanted it. We wanted it. My buddy was in the military and he was like, uh, he's like, if you want to uh, 
meet, if you want to have sex with, with women, go to Europe because they're really, they, if you're American, they'll have sex with you. And we were like, might've, I don't even know if, I think Joel might've been a virgin. I, I wasn't, I had had, I had had sex with one girl at Myrtle beach. Um, hmm. And, and I remember I, I was like, okay, so we went to Europe and we just got drunk. And towards the end, we did drugs. Like we did some ecstasy. And then I came back to America and the first job I got was working at a Ruby Tuesdays uh, at Lake Forest Mall. Mm -hmm. And man, that place was a shithole. But I don't think I've ever had more fun stealing uh, food and, and money from a restaurant. I'm not proud of anything that I did, but if somebody ordered the salmon and paid in cash, I had a manager and I'd be like, hey man, I gotta avoid this. And he would let me avoid it and I would pocket the, the $20, um, you know. Well Never got, never got, I remember they accused me. They were like, are you stealing? And I was like, no. And they were like, okay, we believe you. I was like, you guys are fucking idiots. I was like, I'm literally like, I have a, I have a Honda, a brand new Honda Civic. Like, <laughs> how can I afford that from working here? But my That's favorite- That's why the salmon is $28. Yeah, do you think the salmon was $28 <laughs> at a Ruby Tuesday? It's 17, bro. It is not, a, it, it, is, it is farm raised. It's not wild. It's not even pink. Um, they always put like a weird, like, you know, New Orleans style sauce on it, which uh -huh. is really just cream of mushroom. Um, and, <laughs> And it was, but it was a fun job. My favorite story of it, um, because I did actually have a really good time there, was we had this one waiter named Paul who was like, man, I hope he, hopefully he's alive. Uh, Paul, if you're out there listening, uh, I love you, buddy. Um, but he was the old server at the job. He was the old guy that worked there that kind of like, you know, was the senior to all of the, <laughs> the 18 and 19-year-old, 17-year-old kids that worked there. And I remember one time, this is just, I just, I'll never forget the story. We're, we're outside smoking a cigarette. He's like right in front of me. So in your direction, Tom, right? And I'm smoking the cigarette and there's like a hallway right here. And I go to flick my cigarette towards the hallway. I mean, literally like, you know, a, an isosceles triangle away <laughs> from where we are. And I flick it and it shoots right up and it hits him in the eye and explodes in his eye. And then he attacked me. Oh, um, yeah, oh, we were fun. You know, <laughs> I, you know, he was, he was old. I could run quick. Um, so, so Ruby I did Tuesday. That, I did that once and I hit my friend's mom and it was winter time and they were walking outside and I, I just flicked a cigarette outside and I looked and went, oh shit. And it just splashed on my friend Jeff Bell's mom's winter coat. And then I had to run out there and like pat it, pat it <laughs> so that it didn't catch on fire. She's like, get off my titty. You're like, I'm sorry. I just, <laughs> that's my bad. That's my bad. I just, you know, you were, I thought you were on fire for a moment. Um, <laughs> Hey, I didn't mean to feel up your mom, buddy, but you know, <laughs> you're still her filling her up. Oh, the, oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry. I mean, they're, they're D cups. Um, with lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved. We are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, this is Chris Santos, host of Delirious Nomads, the Blacklight Media Podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Delirious Nomads is a podcast about all things heavy metal, as well as breakdowns of your favorite combat sports. And me being a chef and all, we'll be riffing on some food talk every week, 
with very special guests from across the globe. Listen and subscribe at soundtalentmedia.com. So, so Ruby Tuesdays, when I hear the, when I hear this song, I immediately mm-hmm. think of that restaurant. Um, the one thing I want to point out is the weird opening vocal inflection uh, that Mick Jagger does. Adam, can you play it? She would never say where she came from. All right, that's all I needed to hear. That was so odd. It is weird. Yeah, he drops way down. (laughs) Yeah. He will never see. (laughs) Um, I love that you brought up um, this in Royal Tenenbaums. Um, There is something about, I think, I I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Because Wes Anderson, I know, has has used their music for so many different movies. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Bombs, Rushmore, Rushmore. Um, even in in Bottle Rocket. Because what was cool about listening to this record was, is I've listened to it and listened to it and listened to it, and then I was like, you know, I'm going to just listen to other songs by Rolling Stones just to remind myself how great their music is. Mm-hmm. And it led me to the 2000 Man, which, if you remember, Bottle Rocket. Remember when he's like, he's like, you know, he's like, he's like, you get out of here. He's like, I'm going to send him. I'm going to, you know, he basically like kind of is a decoy for, so his friends to escape so he can get, um, the cops will basically chase him. And, and what was cool is just, it was such a great song. I don't think there's ever been a band. I don't think any band really has been used in movies more than Rolling Stone. I mean, Scorsese. Yeah. Every one of his movies, yep. uh, Gimme Shelter is played. Casino, mm-hmm. Goodfellas, mm-hmm. The Departed, even in Kundun, the one about the Dalai Lama, when the Dalai Lama is like, like blessing really? somebody, it's just like, wow, children. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. He wasn't in Kundun. Oh. <laughs> but how great would that have been if it was I in Kundun? Saw it, so you nobody saw it. It was the one that everybody saw, Nobody that nobody saw. Um, so yeah, so I think the Rolling Stone and I think Ruby Tuesday uh, in, in the Royal Tenenbaums, it works perfectly. Um, I don't think that it's, you know, their, their best song that's been used in, in music, but this is, I mean, one of the, the hits on this record. It's also been covered countless times. I'm sure. Including uh, who got Nazareth, Julian Lennon, so you got the Beatles connection kind of, Rod Stewart, Marianne Faithful, and the Scorpions. Uh, Mick Jagger said, uh, it's a wonderful song. It's just a nice melody, really, and a lovely lyric, neither of which I wrote, but I always enjoy singing it. Um, Adam, who can you find out who wrote the song for me? Probably Keith Richards. Yeah, okay. Is it? Oh, yeah, Adam said yes. So Keith Richards said of this, uh, that's one of those things, some chick you've broken up with and all you've got left is the piano and the guitar and a pair of panties. Holy shit. And it's, and it's goodbye, you know? And so it just comes out of that. And after that, you just build on it. It's one of those songs that are easiest to write because you're really right there and you really sort of mean it. And for a songwriter, hey, break his heart and he'll come up with a good song. So this, so this is, oh yeah, so it was written about um, Richard's well, about a, girlfriend. About a girlfriend. Yeah. I think the thing about Ruby Tuesday for me is yeah. this song is not, to me, it doesn't reek of 1967 at all. It's timeless. That's yes, how I, I that's why this is good. This is also one of my favorite Stone songs. Really? Always has, always has been. Just because I think Mix as it simply, it's just that melody just works. It's just beautiful. 
And in the lyrics, look, that's a, he was having a real emotion. He wrote about it, very truthful and timeless. You, you know, people are going to have bad breakups no matter what year it is. And and uh, and it just this trend, this song transcended where they were at in time making music. This album is so eclectic. There's so many different vibes. And that's what makes Ruby Tuesday to stand out. No, I agree. I agree that I, I agree that when you really break down the the best songs on this record, this is a hundred percent one of them. Um, it, it's so funny, like you 58 know, fifty-eight million plays on Spotify for Ruby Tuesday. The next closest song in plays is "Let's Spend the Night Together" with less than half, twenty-seven million. Really? I mean, that's pretty crazy. So Ruby Tuesdays is just a giant hit on this album. Which is, which is, which, which, I mean, I hate to say I enjoy Let's Spend the Night Together more than I enjoy Ruby Tuesday, but I mean, I have to be honest, it's Let's Spend the Night Together is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal. It's a like rocker. This, it's a rocker. And you know what? And this is the thing, man, is that I really dig the, I like rock and roll Rolling Stones. Mm-hmm. I love, I love Gimme Shelter. I mean, I also, dude, you know what I also really like uh, by them? I like their acoustic stuff. I love the, like, Angie, Moonlight mm-hmm. Mile. I love when they're getting, I'm trying to pull up what else I, I was listening. Oh, dude, my favorite Rolling Stones song of all time is Sweet Virginia. Off of Exile on Main Street. Do you not know it? No, I love, no, okay. of course oh, you I love it. Okay, yeah. cool. Exile on Main Street is an amazing album. Yeah, Sweet yeah, Virginia. Well, We'll bring you back in seven and a half years when we, Great. when it's because it's in the top 10. Um, but, but Sweet Virginia, I remember, uh, so my buddy Angelo, the, my friend that passed away, that, that's the reason I'm doing the podcast. He was such a huge fan of the Rolling Stones and he always, he always made fun of me that I didn't know anything. And he would make fun of uh, me for not knowing anything about Exile on Main Street because he was like, this is the best record ever made possibly by one of the greatest bands of all time. And he just, he just, he, he, he understood how important and how big it was. And I remember I'm a first or second year stand-up comic. I'm already, I've been couch surfing for maybe eight months already. And I'm staying with my friend, Lisa Fernandez. Uh, I love you, Lisa, if you're out there. Um, and she was really sweet and let me, uh, literally on a night I was about to be homeless, she invited me into her house and was like, listen, I got this extra bed in the living room because my, my grandmother was staying there and then she passed. So she's like, if you want to stay there, you can be my roommate. Just don't, you know, destroy anything. And she had just really met me. So she was very sweet. And I stayed there. Uh, for, for a few months. Uh, and then I accidentally was she, then I got drunk one night and she says I pooped on her floor. Oh boy. I don't believe that. No. I mean, what are the chances? 45%. That's a lot. Is that, is that a lot? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, she'll swear by this. Like if I, I, if there was poop on the floor in my house and my wife was like, did you do that? I would say there's 0% chance I did that. Come on, man. You know what I eat. That doesn't look like anything that would come out of me. I don't believe it, but I, you, you got to take her word for it. You okay. know, this is what she's saying. So is there anyone else to blame besides herself? There's no animals there. It was just me. Okay. It was higher than 45. But maybe what I think is that I stepped in it and then I, and then maybe I put it on the, and then it, not my own. I don't think it was a loaf. She never described what it was. She didn't say it was a loaf of poop or it was a nugget of poop or a smear of poop. Okay. If it was a smear of poop, then I Could stepped in shoe. it. 
could have been on my shoe. I stepped in it because I was drunk and I, mm-hmm. and it might've got on like the, the bath towel or the, the bath mat. Um, now, if it was a nugget, Hey, you know what, Adam, can you actually, if I send you her number, can you get Lisa on the, on the podcast? And we'll, I don't know. We're not doing that. That's, that'd be the weirdest. You don't want to verify? I don't, weirder. I haven't talked to her. I haven't talked to her in years. <laughs> that'd be a fucking weird way to me call her and be like, Hey, did I, did I really poop on your floor? Describe it. Just <laughs> describe, describe what I did. By the way, how you doing? <laughs> yeah. All right. By next week, I'll verify it. I'll verify it for everybody for the next one. Cause you're right. We got to talk about the Rolling Stones, but um, so one night I remember I listened to Exile on main street and sweet Virginia came up and I probably listened to it, Tom 50 times in that one night. I smoked a joint. I smoked another joint. I, I thought this was, I, cause you could see it. We, we were just talking about how their music is perfect for movies it was like as me as a as a former film student as a yep. as a uh, as wanting to be an auteur, wanting to be a filmmaker. It's like I always we hear songs and we're like, this is uh, this is going to be in a movie, like Wheel of Fortune by K Star. First time I heard it, I was like, that's I'm going to put that in a movie, and I did in my in my senior project in, in film school. Sweet Virginia is such a great song on so many levels, and it is it is perfect to end a movie with. It, it's Absolutely. Just, yeah. So, so, so yes, Ruby Tuesday is perfect, uh, but let's spend the night together. You know, it's, it's just a little bit better in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And then we got, and then we got connection. grateful that they were only two minutes long because I was just like oh that's just such a not an outstanding song do you yeah. have any thoughts on that I, I mean it's obviously it's about like getting caught with drugs in your back that's, that's yes what. it is it is um <laughs> so I think I just wrote this is in such in my language <laughs> when I wrote it I just wrote this is a goodie uh <laughs> it's okay it's, it's got a good beat you know yeah. right like you know I, I don't know simple groove nothing else she smiles sweetly um you know do we do we have a clip of she smiles we need to remind oh, me right. of the song where does she hide inside of her that keeps her peace most every day for me that's a royal tenenbaum song that i just i love it yeah. I'm, a, I'm a sucker for that now that's that's their that's chamber pop that's that's their that's baroque the baroque pop. yeah that's yeah. the baroque that's 100 percent the baroque and i'm right. but here's the thing man is that i'm dude i'm fucking you know i want i want a jug band i want like yeah. play cool play it do we have any cool common collected too because i think the next one i really liked I didn't like this one. <laughs> Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's what happens on that song. Brian Jones, who decided for this album to stop playing electric guitar, basically, instead plays like the harpsichord, the organ, the piano. He plays the kazoo on this song. Cool. Yes. He plays the, har- you know, there's harmonica. It's goofy. And I don't like songs that are obvious. And this song is so obvious that it tries to be anything but cool, calm, and collected. It just goes haywire at the end. You it know, does. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, okay. I get it. Um, 
I kind of drop out of the rest of this album. Uh, it's it, it's it's okay to listen to these songs, but they're not great. What I do like about this album and the song titles is that you could use them in in a sentence. You could use the whole. You could use them in an entire conversation. You know? Oh like yeah. You, you know what I mean? <laughs> Guys, I'm I'm cool, calm, and collected. You sure you know, are. Thinking you, about my obsession. Right. Exactly. It's complicated. It is complicated. Um, hey, wait, hold on for a second. Who's been sleeping here? I think it was Who's, Mr. Amanda Jones. Did, did Amanda Jones shit on the floor? Get her out of Lisa's house. I, but you know, but you're listening. You're not wrong. Cause side two for the first side is way better than side two, because it opens with all sold out. You have my obsession. You have who's been sleeping here, which is very like Bob Dylan-y complicated. Uh, play a little bit of that because I do dig this one. This is, might be one of my favorites on the record. the group miss amanda jones is the stones that i love very yeah. chuck berry style it's good um this is about um amanda lear an exotic model brian jones had a relationship with amanda was sharing an apartment in london with anita pollenberg in 65 when she reacquainted her friendship with brian jones and then anita left brian and started dating keith richards holy shit brian Ouch. check this shit out started dating amanda fuck that's what they did. <laughs> no, I know. I mean, that was pretty epic, right? I remember that, all that, you know, lore of Keith Richards stealing Brian Jones's girl. I mean, there were some did actors. What? Not to cut you off. Do we, yeah, it's like, I mean, have you had, if you were like, the thespians are very like, lo- I mean, right? I, we, I can't say the guests that I had on, but they told a story once on a different podcast where he talked about literally going to these thespian parties and people just, you guys, you guys start drinking from your parents' liquor cabinet. And then <laughs> you, you start doing a little skadoodle. And then next thing you know, you know, am I wrong? Is skadoodle like a game you play? Is that like, you a- know, yeah, dude, it's a game, bro. You knew exactly what skadoodle meant. Spin the bottle. Everybody listening. <laughs> Are you just saying spin the bottle quickly? <laughs> the model. It's, the doodle. it's the uh, same thing dude i think yeah uh, i think when i when i got into the drama department at syracuse and and so, you know there was definitely a change from my freshman year when i was a communications major and i couldn't get anybody to notice me and then i went down to the theater department and there were all these like you know good looking girls who wanted to practice their scene with you and you're just like okay and it was just like a way to meet people and kiss girls like i, yeah, I was dude. like oh my god i'm i'm kissing way more girls than i ever did before <laughs> i mean you grew up in the middle of nowhere and then suddenly you're <laughs> in syracuse yeah which is like and they have a great you know with the prettiest girl from every high school that wanted to be an actress all at one school and you're just like oh okay well that's los angeles too is los, yeah. los angeles is just one big thespian uh yeah, conservatory at Syracuse. Oh my god! You know I was what I mean? just in Winnipeg. I was in Winnipeg filming, and Winnipeg's a little dreary right now. They, you know, they got hit by COVID, and they're being real strict about their rules, which is good. Um, but I went from there, hardly being able to walk around and see anything, to coming back to LA. People are way more casual out on the street. Abakini is just going bonkers. Yeah, and I'm just like, oh my god! There's so many thin people showing off a lot of their skin. Oh yeah, dude. Like I just was like, it had gone away from my life and now it was like 
right back in my face at a huge volume. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. know, you know, you know this. I, I talk about this on stage, but this is the summer of love. Oh is, wow! Yeah, people. Sixty nine has nothing. Yeah. On summer twenty twenty one, because you know, in sixty nine, they weren't cooped up. They weren't. They weren't quarantining for a year and a half. So New York right now is a sexual playground. Yeah. I was hearing that about movies coming out, like Cannes Film Festival, like all these all, lots of movies are going to be about sex and about connection and physical and you know, yeah, you're, you're I, right. I think you know. I think people are so cooped up that as long as you're not like creepy. And, and you're just, you know, because I don't drink anymore. So it's not like I'm meeting girls like I did when I was in my 20s or even. Yeah, because I think I stopped drinking at 27. So, yeah. So it was like it was always easier. So, but I mean, so as long as you're not like don't put up a creepy vibe and you mm-hmm. are doing it responsibly, like we should be enjoying uh, the pleasures of the flesh as much as possible in a responsible uh, way, making sure we all get consent. And we are adults about it, but this is the time, which sucks though, that we couldn't uh, have sex during the COVID period. Because if you think about it, Tom and Adam, it would have been the perfect time because we couldn't taste and we couldn't smell. So think about that. Um, I mean, <laughs> I should have gotten a laugh. That was really funny guys. That kills no, no. on stage. <laughs> I laughed. I, I don't know what happened to the sound. <laughs> it's a lag. It's the lag. Hey, this is Chris Swinney, formerly of the Ataris and currently host of That One Time on Tour, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Have you ever wondered what it's really like on the road? The highs can be euphoric, but the lows can be crushing. Join me every week as I chat with industry pros about what it's like living out their wildest dream and, in some cases, their worst nightmare. Past guests of the show include members of NoFX, Pennywise, Bad Religion, and more. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. All right, let's get to the final song on the record. Uh, something happened to me yesterday because this is the longest one. This is the first officially released Rolling Stones track to feature Richards on a separate lead vocals. Jagger sings a verse while Richards sings a chorus. Um, when the song was released, Jagger said, I leave it to the imagination as to what happened, but it sure does sound like it's about LSD. So I'm going to go back for a second and just get the breakdown of this because we talked about the the band is taking this foray into psychedelia and mm-hmm. the broke pop, like I had mentioned earlier. Um, keep this in mind, you know, the the next record they did is very experimental and very psychedelic with their majesties, with their satanic majesties request. Um, so I think this is the closest one to see the direction that they're going to go on the next record. Uh, am I wrong about that, Adam? Or what do you think? No, because I mean, after that is Beggar's Banquets and Let It Bleed, two of their bigger albums. So that was kind of like they go into the experimental part and then they kind of get back to what they, you know, their bread and butter was. Yes. And that's what I like. I like the bread and butter, man. I can't wait to do a bread and butter record by the Rolling Stones. <laughs> now, sure. I, I got to say this because this is my favorite thing about something happened to me yesterday. I am an avid listener of the Tony Kornheiser show podcast. If you know him, he's from PTI. You don't know Tony Gordon used to write for the Washington Post, one of the best sports writers. We were me and Adam were talking about him as you signed on. Um, arguably one of the best. He was he did he did Monday Night Football for a minute. He's this old Jewish guy. My dad used to listen to him. He turned me on to him. Great articles in the Washington Post. One of the most respected 
sports columnist uh, of all time. And he has this great show on ESPN that they've been doing for, almost, I think, over 20 years, if not close to 20 years. Um, and he ends all of his uh, podcasts with the line. So play uh, 423. Well, thank you very much. And now I think it's time for us all to go. So from all of us to all of you, not forgetting the boys in the band and our producer, Reg Thorpe, would like to say, God bless. So if you're out tonight, don't forget, if you're on your bike, wear white. Evening all. He always says, if you're riding your bike tonight, if you're out, of the, if you're out riding your bike tonight, don't forget, do wear white. And as soon as I heard that, it just, it was, it was just such like a cool little nugget of like, oh man, like Tony's so cool. The fact that he would pull that one line. Um, and then it also said, fuck, I should have booked Tony Kornheiser for this podcast. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm so glad you're here because I get to <laughs> okay. see you. I'm kidding. Um, um, great song. Fun way to end the record. Any thoughts on it? For sure. No, that is a very famous quote. I think that's from like, uh, when they're during the blitzkrieg probably when when britain was being bombed i think that they would say that it was like a popular sign off um i mean oh, wow. yeah i like i like this album i do i mean there's some groovy stuff on there all sold out reminded me of like the music that plays in austin powers that very typical like groovy yeah you know british rock and stuff and i think that probably this was like one of those bridge albums. I mean, God, they recorded this while they were touring. You know, they recorded it in Hollywood in the 60s. Um, Brian Jones needed to go through these experimental phases, I think, just for the writing and just for that stuff. But but have you ever listened to a band called the Brian Jonestown Massacre? Yes, I was going to bring that up uh, in one of the facts. One of my favorite bands, we talked about them on an earlier episode because we mentioned the documentary Dig. Uh, have you seen it? Yeah. Which yeah. is a phenomenal Great. documentary. I've mentioned it before, everybody. Fleece Army, listen to it. I watched the movie. It is, you see one band rise to Danny Warhol's and another band implode. And in my opinion, the Brian Jonestown Massacre is a far better band. Big far time. better. Yeah. Love them. Are you a big fan of them? Yeah, I have several of their albums. They, yes. they take this sound. They take this period of the Stones, especially for those first, those albums and they do a riff on satanic majesty yeah one of their they albums. do yeah uh -huh. i mean yeah it's great i i like that music you can put you that you could put that on in the background of a party and people don't even like you know what i mean it just has that vibe yes it, just, it keeps things going this is, you know what, that's that's a really good thing about this record. This is good background music at a party. Like, you can play this. It's not yeah. too it's not too overpowering where it's going to take away from the conversation. It's, like, more or less, like, it could be in the background, and you're like, oh, shit, fucking Ruby Tuesday's playing, and you're talking to a girl, you're having a Chardonnay, you're, you're having a, doing a shot, whatever it is. And, it, and it's great. This is great background music. Brian Jonestown Massacre, 100%. It's, in my opinion, the cooler band to play for background music at a party. 100%. Because the people that get it are yep. going to be like, oh, you're yeah, using yeah, yeah. BJM? Yep. So so go, going off of that, and really good really good point on that too, Tom. Thank you for saying that about, about this is definitely the sound of BJM. 
they're yeah. a little bit off. They, they might've gone a little bit more psychedelic too, For sure. but, but still. So about uh, Brian Jones. Uh, so when, so Jones developed alcohol and drug problems, his performance in the studio became increasingly unreliable, leading to a diminished role within the band he had founded in June 69. So that's two years after this came out, uh, Rolling Stones dismissed Jones. Guitarist Mick Taylor took his place in the group. Jones died less than a month later, drowning in the swimming pool at his home, age 27. Jones' death was referenced in songs by many other pop bands and was the subject of poems by Pete Townsend and Jim Morrison. Referring to Jones, the Rolling Stones' Bill Wyman lamented the waste of a great innovator. Uh, but luckily in 1989, uh, Jones was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Um, yeah, but also here's the thing, man, because you mentioned BJM. If he doesn't die, you don't get that band. That's right. That's right. And it is one of those sad chapters in, in rock history, right? Because he was a genius, but, he, you know, much like Kurt Cobain, you know, taken by, by drugs and alcohol abuse. Yeah. But let me ask you this, though. And depression um, and mental and health issues. Yes, and, and that, that definitely played a part. Dude, if you haven't seen, I'm going to recommend this. Me and Big J Okerson uh, watched that uh, documentary about Woodstock 99 on uh, HBO Max. It. Isn't it great? It's, <sighs> you, I feel like you got different emotions than I did because it took me right back to 1999. It was such a time capsule of like me being 19 years old and like, you know, the music, the women, everything. It's everything that happened there was horrible. I mean, the sexual assaults, all the shit. The best is like they're showing, there's that picture. Because remember when the they, they flooded the the uh, porta potty sections and people are rolling around in it, not realizing that it's human feces. And there's, there's, a, there's they'd show this picture of this girl that 100% would have 400,000 followers on Instagram. And she's like covered in mud, like with her teeth or kind of, there's a little bit of mud or poop on her teeth. And she's, I mean, covered. And she's like, mm, with duck lips. And I'm like, fucking, that is hilarious, dude. These idiots didn't even know they were rolling around in dookie. But oh, it was God. great. But it was great. It was a great documentary. And, it, and they really made a good point about the ending of of Nirvana, where Nirvana came out and Pearl Jam came out, it was all about awareness and REM is about yep. loving your brother and like loving different races and women and respecting them. Don't forget the Beastie Boys went from fight for your right to party, then changed to be like, you know, you got to respect women. Like we, yeah. we were actually upset that we had done that years ago. Right. And then you have this reaction, which is like Fred Durst, <sighs> And corn and like and nothing against corn. Yeah, Kid Rock. It's very misogynistic. Yeah. Um, Limp so yeah, yeah, it's just... it, but so watch the documentary, everybody, is what I'm trying to say. Did because you like it? I did. Okay, so it was it was a it was an in-depth, long documentary that covered a bunch of different angles, and there was a lot to think about for sure, like what you a just lot. said. A lot. And there was a lot going on at that time that does speak to now, which is that privileged entitled white upper middle class people who you know were had nothing to complain about but raged about it anyway and wanted to cling to something and have something and then also you know so what did they rage about four dollar water bottles and then they lit the yeah. shit on fire and and, yeah. and then there was all this sex assault it was a terrible situation it was badly prom the promoters didn't give a fuck they just didn't give a shit wanted the money and, mm -hmm. and, and I just kept lying to the press and anybody who called him out in that, uh, you know, that press 
sir you know yeah, what do yeah, they yeah. call that and, and the, um, the press junket like the little the daily like uh you briefing. know state of state of the woodstock yeah the state of the woodstock. Like, anybody who questioned them they were like you know shut up you're <laughs> you're part of the problem like, yeah okay and i i remember when that was happening i remember the reports coming on mtv and they and somebody described kurt loader as uh, a war he thought he was a war correspondent you know during woodstock 99 but it it looked like a big shit show literally <laughs> shit show it, it was a shit show literally and i love that you said he felt like a war correspondent he's like i'm reporting live from the kid rock pit there are bodies flying everywhere it is a disaster up next is corn stay tuned everybody <laughs> and i like, think that the documentary is a great example of some of those people that they got to make the comments throughout right there's a couple oh, yeah. people who to me, I don't know their credentials. I don't know what makes them like some expert on this situation. All I can see and all I can hear are them coming up with sound bites. It's like, I need a clever sound bite, and now yeah. I got it. And, oh, and yeah. I, so part of that documentary annoys me because mm-hmm. I feel, I, I also feel like documentaries that I've watched over the pandemic, I kind of saw people falling into formulas. Netflix falling into these formulas of presenting topics and just it's it's like this much information that they stretch out over two hours mm-hmm. you know I, I don't know that that's just me being a little jaded about it I could have watched that documentary I wish there was a Zack Snyder cut I wish it was four and a half hours long <laughs> I could have watched that well because I you know here's the deal man is and I'm gonna bring this back to the Rolling Stones but you know, the, the, I can listen to the Rolling Stones and be like, yeah, man, I get it. I get it. And I wasn't alive when they first came out. So I don't I, so I don't fully get it. You know, I can grasp how big the Beatles were because only because of all the books and all the anthologies and all the things that came out. But I lived and I was at that point in my life with 19 years old, Tom. So think about that, man. I'm 19. Yeah. I felt undestructible. I felt like I would never die. I had no idea what old was yet. I thought I was going to be young my whole life. I wanted to go to that. We, we couldn't because, I mean, this is so crazy. $150 felt like, you know, I needed a Pell Grant, you know, or Sally May loan to go to. Um, and it was so, it was just, we just, it just didn't happen. So me and my buddies, we went to Tassos's house and we got high and we hung out because his parents were out of town and we watched it. And I remember seeing mm. like the Kid Rock walking out on stage. I mean, listen, you can say whatever you want about Kid Rock and his point of view and his music and his misogynistic, whatever. But that motherfucker walking out on stage with the, with the white uh, fur coat and that red hat and then just kind of like eyeballing everybody and then just my name is kid and the things going off. That was the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. At that point I was like that, that is, that's, I don't get the goddamn comedy jam. And Brad Williams, uh, the, the little person comic has opened the jam with that and with, with the same hat, the same outfit and everything. And I remember Limp Biscuit, like, dude, Limp Biscuit is such a nugget of 1999. It couldn't have yeah. happened in 94. It couldn't have happened in 2004 because they faded away. But, dude, 1999, that's the biggest band in the fucking world because they were pop. They were rap. And listen, he couldn't rhyme for shit, but there was something about it in that year. Y2K, all the stuff that they explained in that documentary just made yeah. sense. And it took me back to go, oh, I see. The only bands 
that really still, I mean, are respected and have longevity that were headliners and, and not, and I'll include corn because corn isn't a bad band. They're a great workout band. Like I'll listen to them, but I mean, they're not like something I'm putting on just on the subway, but rage against the machine, uh, an incredible attack on your system. Like the, the crowd goes insanely nuts for them. And then, and then Metallica, Metallica, Metallica yeah. just rules. And that's a like good Metallica. They had just cut their hair. They were cool looking, you know, and I, I love, he opens up by saying like, you guys don't even like, we're about to do to you what we do do every show and just murder you and the crowd just it was this beautiful thing unfortunately everything that you said prior about the the bad security i mean dude like like they literally had these guys the peace patrol wearing yellow shirts and like they, they were trying to get laid it's like you need yeah. to hire it was it was basically bringing it back to the rolling stones it was altamont it was, it was altamont it was Altamont for 1999 and it was the yeah. fire festival. The fire festival should have learned from this yep. and every festival since, cause well, they show you, go ahead. Right. What do you got? Well, I was going to say, I mean, fire festival was a complete scam and nothing yeah. came of it. At least, at least they got the bands to come and play. And, and you know, there was, there was an element of like, Oh, we are seeing music. Real yeah. Chili peppers. Like we're seeing some bands here. Like, I know, you know, there probably were people not represented in that uh, documentary that were like, no, that was a great experience. Like, I had a great time there. You know, obviously, little people had <laughs> not many. Yeah, this horrible thing. experience. Yeah, sure. I don't think anybody is walking away from Fire Festival going, like, no, no, it was good. <laughs> God, the cheese sandwiches were great. Cheese sandwiches were great. The the cot. I mean, but, the, but that but here's the thing is that that there was a fire festival we could laugh at because those right. are just what are wrong. Where I always talk about this on stage. How social media is one of the worst things that man ever created. It has created anxiety, depression, and and so many you know eating disorders because of what we see on there. So to see those influencers who are trying to go to that thing to like show off. Mm -hmm. and not really enjoy the experience mm -hmm. that fuck you laugh at them you know you you deserve it woodstock 99 you know if you listen because i listened to the audio documentary before i actually watched the 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 video and i got luminary just so i could listen to it tom and it tells the story of the dude that passed away that wanted to go see metallica that took the journal and it's like he was just a dude that wanted to go to a show and unfortunately because they oh they charge four dollars for water because they you know, didn't have enough security and didn't have enough medical uh, staff. And because there were those, those guys, those white, angry, 19, 20 year old, angry, you know, Limp Bizkit fans, um, this guy dies. And, and that's horrible. And there's people that are, uh, you know, there's a, there's support groups for women that were mistreated there. I'm not, that was, that was a, that's a horrible thing. That is the biggest contrast. It's basically Altamont. Like I said, it's like Altamont was supposed to be, the West Coast Woodstock, and yeah. they you you hire the Hell's Angels, yeah, yeah dude. And Adam just wrote, he goes, Woodstock '94 was about the celebration, and it went off without a hitch. And it right. was a bridge between the original Woodstock of of the music of of yesteryear, Richie Haw Hawkins. I might be fucking, you know, what I'm talking about the the black guitarist oh, dude, yeah, and yeah, country yeah. Joe. Uh, yeah. Yes. So it's so basically what I'm saying is they they just try it's it's where it's where society went we, we at 1999 is a perfect example there every everything the art 
everything was capitalizing off of, off of sex, off of violence and making more and more money. That was right. The economy was killing it. So that's what yep. those promoters thought. And if there's a funny thing too, Michael Lang, the dude uh, that, that created the festival, he could he could one hundred percent played one of the hobbits in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. He for has sure. Hobbit face for sure. For sure. Um, so so yeah, all right. But so that's what I'm saying. So Woodstock '99 is the Rolling Stones Altamont. Okay, that's what that's. We just took 25 minutes out of the podcast to, to say that. But we're but watch it, everybody. Watch it. Well, You're gonna. It love was it. interesting because I watched it with my 16 year old son Finn, mm-hmm. and I'm like. I'm glad he's watching Woodstock 99 documentary. Like I wanted him to see, I didn't know what it was going to be about, but he and I just started watching it together. And yeah, yeah, I mean, he's gone to stuff like um, he's gone. He went to the one downtown LA that's uh, camp Flognaw. That's like run by like Tyler, the creator. And it's, yeah, you know, it's great. Uh, he loved it. They get in the mosh pit there. They do that, but it's not as crazy as what we saw in that documentary. No. But, you know, and he's the whole time he's just referencing it to his experience. And he's like, oh my God, like, like this looks horrible. And I'm like, yeah, that's horrible. You don't want to be any part of that. You know what I mean? Mm-mm. Like, no, and, but- and the way that the guys are treating women, it just that's fucking out. Well, we had, you know, it's, it's one of those things that I don't think if that happens, then we don't get to the me too movement of, of now. It's like, you know, history for the most part, we always hope is a progressive, uh, you know, there's always going to be hiccups. I want my son, he knows, like he knows because of what climate we live in now, he knows that that's wrong. Back then in 99, people were going through that, seeing that and going like, I guess this is like, no, you know, like, uh, am I supposed to do this? Lift my shirt all the time. Like, yeah. You know, you know, well, it's also the, the, the thing that just where Jay Leno had to apologize and every late night TV show host had to apologize for making fun of Monica Lewinsky the way that they did. Dude, that was what was going on, man. That was like our, our fucking president got in trouble for lying about getting a blowjob with an intern. I mean, that was the late nineties. Um, and so, so that festival was just a reflection of all of that. We, we treated, we treated every women, especially it was, they were so sexualized. Now, listen, on the other hand, and I have to make this point, I'm not saying they anybody should have touched any of those women. But if there's you got you're putting your titties out around drunk 19 year old boys during during a Limp Biscuit concert, like it's it's I'm not saying, listen, it's like, you know, you know, you, you know, you did this. It's like, you know, well, you deserved it. Nobody deserves it. But they titties shouldn't have been so so liberal during that that time. Watching watching it, you just go, it's like watching like a harbor seal swim into shark infested water or killer exactly. whale infested water. You're just like, what are you're you doing? Like- Put your titties away. What are you doing? Yeah, you shouldn't even be at that concert. <laughs> no. Pull your and titties out on your own time. Woodstock 94, pull your titties out. Woodstock I, 99, now. I mean, just just the crowd yelling, show your tits to, to Rosie Perez <laughs> over and over again. I was like, what is happening? I know it was crazy when Cheryl Crow actually showed her tits when she was like, oh, you want to see him? <laughs> no, she didn't do it, everybody. <laughs> Cheryl, Cheryl wouldn't do that. I love Cheryl. Um, all right, here, let's, let's, let's wrap this up because I, uh, I know you got to get out of here. I got to get out of here. Uh, I wrote this as a joke, as a joke fact, so I'm just going to read it. Uh, Keith Richards is a daywalker vampire from the movie Underworld. Some think he's a lichen, but in actuality, he is a full daywalker. 
it would have worked if we didn't start talking about Woodstock 99. I'm not going to lie. It was a good joke. It was a good joke with the other facts. All right, rapid questions. We're getting you out of here, Tom. This has been a blast, dude. I I love being able to hang out with you, man. All right, favorite song on the record? Uh, For me, it's Ruby Tuesday. And my second favorite is She Smiles Sweetly, and then it's Let's Spend the Night Together. Nice, nice. Well, I like that. We should do – that's actually, Adam, remind me. I'll start doing the top three. That's a good one. Um, Least favorite song on the record? I think my least favorite is Yesterday's Papers. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's, (laughs) it's pretty butt cheeks. Uh, I might agree with that. All All right, what song on this record would you fuck to? Uh... It's she smiles sweetly is the is the one. It's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, and we used to ask. I guess this is a two sided question um, because I like what I asked uh, next week at Tim Heidecker. So I'm going to start it again now. Does this deserve to be on the 500 greatest albums list? And why is it important that this album is heard by the next generation? Okay. So in terms of ranking things and and 500 and top 100 or whatever, you know, I'm kind of always you know think that that's just subjective and um but but this gets on there just because who the band is their level of music uh their their level of creation um their ruby tuesday like i said is a top song for me but it's also just carried by like them as a band experimenting writing I think it, I think it's it it kind of ex- exemplifies a certain period in time better than other albums probably. I haven't listened to a ton of albums from that time period, but I, I think just based on the merits of the band, this album makes yeah. it. And then why should kids today listen to this? I think it's important to listen to people experiment with sound. I think it's important to just you know not always be satisfied with you know the the formulaic rock sound. Like it's cool to listen mm-hmm. to Brian Jones go off and say like, I'm not going to play guitar. Yeah. I'm mm-hmm. going to play a bunch of different instruments and get cool sounds and try different shit at a time yeah. when probably like it was really important to get on the radio and get, make hits. They went and made like the most eclectic album they ever made. Yeah. No, I, I don't disagree with you. I, I think also it's important uh, one, I agree with the whole thing about the list. Uh, I think that question needs to go. It's like, we, occasionally somebody gives us an answer, but mostly it's always going to be, I mean, I don't, these fucking ranking lists are, are terrible. Um, so I agree with what you said. Um, as far as, as listening uh, to it for the next generation to, to peep this, I think, uh, I think it's important, man. I do think it's important because like you said, it's like, this is arguably one of the biggest bands of all time. I mean, you know, this is a fact that I had. It's like back in 75, Jagger didn't think they were going to be performing much longer. He, he thought they'd only do about two more years. He was like, I, I, he's like, I'd rather be dead than singing satisfaction when I'm 45. And, and you know, the dude is, I don't even know how old he is. He's maybe close to 80. So you wonder why this band has survived for so long. And in you, when you just go by hits, you generally don't get to hear the full evolution of what this band has gone through to make them so great and so respected. And whereas this might not have all of the ones that we know and we love more than any others, this has a sound and it shows you a turning point in their career. Yeah. So Mick Jagger, 78 and Keith Richards is 77. Mm -hmm. Keith Richards looks like he's 145 though. Um, 
but but yeah, this is this is a this is a turning point record from my understanding about the Rolling Stones, where they're about to change their sound completely and become the band that we know and we love with all the hits. So perfectly well said, Ben. Um, Tom, oh, I just dropped my headphones. I love you. <laughs> I um, love you too. This man. was this was so great. Anything you want to promote, buddy? Go ahead. I got a really exciting event coming up. I don't know when this drops, but um... next Wednesday. Okay, great. So the that thing you do 25th anniversary is this year, and yes. uh, the band is from Erie, Pennsylvania. The Double A uh, minor league baseball team for the Detroit Tigers, the Erie Sea Wolves, are going to be the Erie Wonders for a game. Oh. And me and Zahn and Jonathan Sheck and Ethan Emery are going to throw out the first pitch. Then they're going to play the movie after the game. This is September fourth in Erie PA at UPMC park and uh, stuff. It's selling out, but I uh, got, but how far away is, how far away is Erie from New York city? Seven, eight hours, hours, maybe. Oh, fuck. Maybe I'll go to that, man. I guess everybody. I'll go. Yeah. You don't need to buy a ticket. If you're going, you're, you're with me. You're my plus one. You're my plus one. Oh my God. Well, so everybody knows this. Uh, I actually have a very big connection to that thing yes, you, you do. do and the band because I, Adam, I don't know if you, this, I'll post this clip when I post uh, the episode. I, because of our, because of our buddy, Jason Gallagher, uh, your brother-in-law, um, yep. I reunited the wonders at the goddamn comedy jam. Mine is Steve Zahn, but in his defense, he was in Kentucky and he had the kids and stuff and he couldn't get out. But man, if we just could have had him, that would have, dude, cause we got so much press from that like which i mean listen dude i'm not saying that i you know i changed some careers and helped everybody you know blow up a little bit more than you already blown up but we did make it to people magazine and access hollywood and we did it it was one of the coolest things i've ever done and to even be because you know how much in the last episode i talked about it how much i how important that that movie was to so many people and you got to see it. And that's the thing is, man, you know, you did, you've done something that, that most actors like wish they could have done been in something that will last the test of time. And it's just, it's so great. It's so great. Um, I feel like uh, we should give a shout out to the, the writer of the song uh, that passed away. Yeah. He passed away from COVID. He did. He did. Right at the beginning of the pandemic, yeah, Adam died only uh, 53 years old. I mean, a young man, 54, maybe. Yeah. I mean, great career, was doing all kinds of great stuff. He had his band Fountains of Wayne. He was writing music for Sarah Silverman's show for, for Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. You know, he, he wrote a song for a movie that just fit the bill of being a 64 hit, written from scratch, was a hit in the 90s. I mean, a genius. Great. It's and, a genius. And gone too soon. We've gone way too soon, you know. I know we we kid around about the Delta variant and stuff, but just if you can, even if you're vaccinated, try to wear your mask inside. Just try to try to make sure you do your part as best as you can. Um, and 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 seriously, if you just want to feel love and feel like good about the world we live in, watch that thing you do because it's just it's such a beautiful. It's so great. It just shows you that like, you know, if you you know anybody can make it. 
anybody can make it a, a band from Erie, Pennsylvania. You know what I mean? You just That's need right. to put love into whatever you do. And you did shades, put love into it. Cause he liked rock music and he was like, I'm taking this fucking song. Yeah, man. And putting the good, putting the skadoodle on it and bringing skadoodle back again. <laughs> Cause it can mean anything. <laughs> That's skadoodle can mean sex. It can mean uh, kick up the tempo a little bit. Um, but yes. So when is it again? Say it one more time. When's the Erie thing? September 4th in Erie PA at UPMC Park, the Erie Seawolves uh, will be the Erie Wonders for the day. We're going to auction off all of the signed jerseys and all kinds of memorabilia. We're going to auction it off. We've already raised money for um, Noticeability, which is a charity for uh, kids with dyslexia and learning disabilities. It is uh, dyslexia uh, is something that affects uh, Jonathan Check and Steve Zahn and Liv Tyler and other actors that we know. And so we just wanted to make it something, you know, and, and, millions of people it's a you know it affects millions yeah so we just wanted to raise money for that organization and then uh i have a uh, an amazon series that'll be coming out later i'm going to north carolina to shoot uh called the summer i turned pretty which is a uh, based on a young adult novel series about a 16 year old girl and her family that vacations with this other family and so that should be really good it's written by jenny han who's a really great writer so just busy 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 but but check out the wonders thing i think it'll be fun yeah do it. Everybody do it. Check out his series. Check out his past work. Tom, I love you, man. I'm love so you, man. glad we're friends, dude. I mean Likewise. this sincerely. What did I tell you? What did I tell you? The one and only Tom Everett Scott. Follow him on Instagram at Tom Everett Scott and on Twitter at Tom E. Scott. Uh, I love him. And guys, Fleece Army. September 4th, he mentions it. The Wonders are going back to Erie, Pennsylvania for a special 25th anniversary celebration of That Thing You Do at UPMC Park. Get tickets at seawolves.com. Be there, be square, grow some pubic hair. Now, we just listened to the Rolling Stones from 1967. We have a user. Is that what you call it? Uh, We have a listener-submitted album or song or... Whatever it's called for today. This is what I wanted, man. The reason I did this is I want you guys to submit your music. And our listener, Brandon Lee, sent in music. Uh, We actually played his band, uh, The Strange Heroes, when we covered the White Stripes record for Elephant Back in episode 390. But Brendan reached out back to us to say his dynamic rock trio from Minneapolis are also heavily inspired by the Rolling Stones. So you're listening to their song, Running Shoes, Terrestrial blues hope i said that right off their upcoming self-titled album coming out on september 4th and uh you can find the link to the music on our website the 500 podcast.com support him come on everybody we need your help we need your love support him and if you're in a band and you were directly influenced by one of these albums or artists and you want your music featured on the 500 podcast thingy dingy do Send your song to 500podcast at gmail.com and make sure you put the album and artist that influenced you in the subject line. I'm going to do the shout-outs like Morty did because it's worth it, man. We care about you guys. I want to give a shout-out to uh, MC Small Fries. I love you, buddy. Uh, his Twitter, not Twitter, his uh, Instagram handle is G underscore Nyack, N-I-A-C. Uh, every week he makes these really cool audio that we said and he just writes it out and uh, and puts some images to it and he pulls some really good stuff and I, I appreciate him for doing that so thank you for being a general in the fleece army well, I'm giving rankings back next week it's Randy Newman week and we are going deep into his 1970 record 12 songs guess what it's 12 songs long 
If you haven't heard it, listen to it. Do your homework. Stay fleecy. an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. What's up, everyone? This is Jay Reason, and I want to let you all know that Diablo Zen Podcast is now part of the Sound Talent Media family. Listen in as me and the one and only Danny Diablo, a.k.a. Lord Ezak, interview artists from the hardcore punk, metal, hip-hop scenes, and beyond. We have conversations with guests like actor Peter Green, DJ Muggs from Cypress Hill, L.A. street photographer Estevan Oriol, Jimmy G from New York City's legendary Murphy's Law, and pro wrestler Vampiro, to name a few. If you're a fan of good discussions, lots of laughs, tune in and join the fun. Next chapter podcasts.